Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los Angeles. Welcome, Glamjolinos. We hope you stay a while. Cute. That's cute. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Happy birthday to ya. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. We're four years old. We are four. We're out of the terrible twos. We're not no longer treacherous threes. No longer three-nagers. Three-nagers. So what's four? I don't know. Everyone tells me in terms of children that five is like the sweet spot when it gets good, apparently. So we're like, um, we're seniors. I like that better. We are seniors going into our senior year of podcasting. And wow. Best, best year ever. Have we learned some shit? Last uh, year was had its ups and downs. So it's only up from here, I think. Ups? What were those? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we did have ups. I'm trying, I'm did, trying to, yes. We, had we did some, have ups. It's we a had, very long year. We had, we had yeah. ups. We had some amazing ups. That is very true. We had some spectacular lows, but some very great highs as well. Mm-hmm. So now that we're in senior year, we don't give a fuck. We don't give an Fs. We're going to start calling out people. Mm-hmm. We're going to start just dragging people. This is going to become Jeffree Star. <gasps> I know. Whoa. Just kidding. Uh, we won't not- go there, but no. Yeah, we we like we know there. what we want to do. We know where we want to go. And we're not taking any BS. Yeah. Yeah. It's like such like an old person thing to say BS. Bullshit. Yes. Bullshit. Well, we're four years old. We started yeah. this podcast four years ago. I'm quite frankly proud of us. So many podcasts get started and then they just disappear. Also, the fact that we're still both doing it too. Because I, I feel like there's so many podcasts that they have like a season and they go and then they come back with a new host, which, you know, we're not knocking anyone, but we've stayed true to each other. This is a, this is a lifelong marriage. We're committed. We are, we are committed both financially and (laughs) in friendship and and in in life and love and all of the things. I mean, everyone Uh, knows any, (laughs) anytime I like meet someone for the first time, they're like, I know your wife, Kirby. I guess. Yes. Yep. Same here. And we often are put on the same email. Uh, we are not individuals. We are an entity together. I'm on more emails with you than I am with Matt. Same. I could not tell you an email I'm on with Patrick like same. at all. So am I on more emails with you than you are with your team? Oh, absolutely. See, that's real right there. Yep. That's a real one. That is a real one. Well, who who here has been a, a day one? Our day oneers. Oh my gosh. Are you still there? (laughs) I know. I was thinking about listening back to our first episodes and I was like, I think I'm going to cringe because you don't know what you don't know. 
And I remember mm-hmm. feeling like I knew so much when I started this podcast and same. now my, some of my opinions have changed drastically. Oh my some God, same. My thought processes and, and what I, I love, like and dislike. I love Squalane. I know Squalane <laughs> is just right up your alley. I'm still, <laughs> yeah, you're still a little hesitant, a little hesitant on the Squalane, but, but no, totally. I, I, if I were to listen back, which I'm not going to, I was so nervous. I mean, I thought I, you know, I felt confident that I knew what I was talking about to an extent, but like podcasting is just such a different world from hosting things and obviously writing. It's just, it's such an art. And so I don't think I've quite perfected it, but I definitely feel like I've improved. Yes. Same. I feel like we've gotten better. I'm yeah. still coming over to fix your audio, yeah. yes. but we have improved significantly. So four <laughs> years, cheers to that. We Yay. are so thankful for the community that has stuck with us throughout the four years, throughout the pandemic. Wow. We went through a pandemic with y'all. We When we started this, we had no idea what was going to happen in six months. And then lo and behold, we had a pandemic. We upped our episodes from once a week to twice a week we got some amazing guests big big stars that we would have never we couldn't have dreamed of having like selena gomez uh that's it no it's because i wanted to say Haley right after and then i'm like (laughs) that's like too much trauma Um, I know, I know people but that's what when i'm writing like who we've had on the podcast i'm like Selena Who do you put first Haley I, I switch it up actually okay okay every every like once in a while I'll be like Selena well actually lately I've been going Scarlet oh yeah okay Scarlet Gwen Selena Haley Sierra, Sierra. JVN Courtney Cox Courtney Cox Laverne Barbie Ferreira Lana Condor Lots. Emma Chamberlain. Oh my God. Love Emma. Emma. That Emma, was so fun. Emma, Emma Chamberlain. Chamberlain. I love her. I love her. I want her to come back because I love her so much. Um, I know. Also people in the industry that we. Oh, have admired, adored, learned so much from. Matt gets mad at me when I say this because he's like, you need to stop saying like, I can't believe everyone listens to me. Cause I do. I obviously know that people are listening, but it is still just so humbling when people agree to come to the podcast or people walk up to you in the middle of the farmer's market or at a concert or something. And they're like, are you Sarah? I love Los Angeles. I get goosebumps every time. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. And we could not have done it without support. So thank you all for listening. Y'all know that I love a certain podcast. It's called The Town. It is a ringer podcast. It's about the entertainment industry. I'm obsessed with this podcast. Sorry, Los Angeles, but you are second tier to this podcast okay. for me because I'm obsessed. We always with it. have. We always have to strive. We for do more. We have to. Sh- the struggle bus has to happen in order to feel yes. fulfilled in life. Unfortunately for me, so the town did this report card of the winners and losers of 2023 so far. And I thought it was so brilliant and it's very different in entertainment versus beauty because in entertainment, I feel like they get a lot more access to reports and things behind like tangible things that indicate success. Right. 
And the beauty industry is so hush hush. You only know if if someone's making a ton of money based on like an investment round or an acquisition of some sort or like a purchase of some sort. You know what I mean? Entertainment, it's like this CEO gets this salary. This is how much the box office was. This is what they sold this piece of the company for. So we don't necessarily have the tangible things that you check off a list in order to say that a a beauty brand or person is a winner or a loser. Yeah. I think it's a much more subjective. That's why we're doing this obviously, because we're sharing our opinions and our thoughts about it, but there are awards that can be won money to be made at the box office, all those things in entertainment and for beauty. Like sometimes you just don't know brands don't have to disclose that information. No. So you just base it on what you're seeing on social media or how you personally love and like the products or of a brand. So it's kind of more fun that way. Yes. So more, more democratic today, we are going to break down our winners and losers of the year thus far, the mid year. But before we do that, Sarah, what is your favorite product of 2023 so far? Mm, gosh or actually what's what's the brand what's your brand of the year so far oh my god that's so you don't have to focus on a particular product can you go first mine is lawless okay i use all things lawless every day like since march i'm obsessed with forget the filler i'm obsessed with the one mini palette i i use it i'm using it right now obsessed with it i love their eyebrow wax their blush I'm wearing. It's the brand I consistently use makeup wise every single day. That's a really good answer. Okay. I'll make, just make this easy on myself because I really just found that I could not live without my tower 28 juice bomb. (laughs) And I just got a restock and I immediately put it on. But I think what Amy Lou has done with that brand is just so incredible They have really, really risen to the top and she has worked her ass off and I love all of the products and the thoughtfulness and messaging around everything. And it's just a, it's a brand that I like continuously go back to. Obviously I was really dying without my juice bomb. Um, But you know, (laughs) the SOS spray, you know, I still, I have a bottle in like every bag and I use it for everything from, you know, obviously my skin any scrapes cuts that Zoe gets Cade's butt I even oh. use it on Ollie did I, I I've, I've talked about this before I've used it on Ollie's like hot spots yeah it's truly just like I use it for everything and I just think that they're continu- they're killing it and they will continue to kill it so good job Amy I agree I love tower 28 I spray the SOS spray like nobody's business right because I feel like even if it's not doing anything, I feel like it's doing something. Yeah. The like I want effect. Like I like, should we bring it on the plane and just like spray it in the. No, literally air. I'm, I'm bringing it on yeah. the plane. I'm bringing Like that's it- killing some bacteria, right? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> not sure about the science behind that, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's go into our winners and losers. We are going to start off with one winner, go to one loser, and then go back and forth. Great. Okay. okay. All right. You first. Who okay. was the first winner of the year? My first winner 
are all the natural brunettes in this world. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. It's your time to shine. I'm looking at you, Kirby. Correct. I just, I still can't, like, I look back at pictures of when you were so blonde and like, it was obviously a moment and you were so iconic, but now I just like, I can't think of you with any other hair color except your beautiful, beautiful natural hair color. And I think when I say like also natural brunettes, I also mean like just natural hair color in general, I feel like made such a big comeback. And I think that it had a lot to do with obviously the pandemic and COVID and everyone just really embracing their natural state because they couldn't go to the hair salons. They didn't want to dye their hair because who did they have to impress? We were all stuck at home. And it really also just forced everyone to look at themselves and be like, you know what? this is really cute. I do love my natural hair color. And we've seen like so many celebrities do that aside from like all of the people in beauty that we've seen, but like just going back to their natural roots, also embracing the silver and gray hairs, not necessarily having to, you know, retouch those, just embracing our natural born beauty and the aging of our hair, you know, not, not like loving, obviously like losing the hair and things like that, but just really like comfortable in our own skin and hair. And I really feel like that was a big winner or it's a big winner so far this year. A a big win for the brunette movement was Katy Perry going back to her long brunette hair, even though she's a natural blonde that that woman was born to have black hair with blue eyes. So we we love to see Katy Perry back in the OG era. We'll know when it's come full circle if if uh, Gwen Stefani ditches her platinum blonde just because she oh, never because that's ne- like what that's like what she was born with. I'm just waiting for Kimberly <laughs> to go back to brunette. Oh yes, because yeah. I've seen the photos of her in Vogue. And I'm like, is this a wig? Is she back to brunette? I thought she went back to brunette, but then she was blonde again. So then I'm like, is that yeah. a wig? I don't know. I don't know. Whatever photo shoot she did recently with the bangs. Was that for Vogue? Oh, you know what? I'm dumb. She is back to brunette. She really is fully back to brunette. I'm looking. I'm an idiot. Okay. No, I think not. it's be- I think my timeline is getting distorted because I watch the Kardashians. And right now on oh. um, the show, she's, she's blonde. still blonde. But she, it was a whole ordeal when she went back to brunette a couple of months ago. Well, it was she, really hard because I actually really liked her blonde. Like I she do, I agree. pulled it off so well and it was like a whole persona for her. Like she was blonde. See, I never know. I never know. At the Met Gala, she was blonde, but I'm like, is that a wig? She's brunette now. She's definitely brunette. Like when she went to Japan with her children, she has brunette hair. So uh, yeah, she's definitely been back to brunette for a while now. There we go. So another win for the brunette community. Kimberly's back. Love to see it. I do think too, Sarah, to your point of embracing what you have and not being so focused on dyeing your hair a different color. I think that kind of was influenced by TikTok where people were starting to develop full on hair care routines similar Mm -hmm. to their skincare routine and we were learning like people were like this is why rice water is so great and this is what rosemary oil does so i think instead of focusing on like okay i'm trying to mitigate damage that's already been done to my hair by bleaching it or whatever i'm doing currently 
I'm now embracing what I have and trying to get rid of that damage so that it stays healthy moving forward. So yeah, I definitely you're so right. You. Especially because there's just so much good hair care right now. Yeah. More than agreed. ever before. Okay, Kirby, who is your winner? One of your winners? I think Elf, I would be remiss not to mention Elf. Elf is absolutely killing it. And I think Elf has been, they were, we've mentioned many times before, really the first beauty brand to adopt TikTok and figure out that platform. They went all in on TikTok. It paid off for them. They were one of the first brands to make a sound. They really, really know how to get people excited about their products. And they've really played into the dupe culture of TikTok, where now they are creating dupes of higher priced beauty products. They they had been doing that. It's, remember the Tatcha primer? Yeah. The canvas primer. They made a version for themselves that was like less than $10. They have duped Charlotte Tilbury. They've duped so many brands. Not that I necessarily agree with that, but I think that it's paying off for them in a big way, especially when people see these looks on a platform like TikTok. They want to emulate them, but they don't want to buy the glow wand or whatever it is from Charlotte Tilbury and pay that money because perhaps they don't have it. So Elf really understands, I think, community. They understand how to message consumers and what people are actually looking for and engaging with. Sometimes I see that they make content and it's not even beauty related. It's just mm -hmm. they are playing into a trend that they saw and they are developing their brand voice in that way. And then, of course, they had a Super Bowl ad, which mm -hmm. is the Jennifer Coolidge of it all. I mean, the perfect timing. White Lotus had just ended. She's in it. Mike White wrote it. They were fast. They were nimble. And usually for a large brand like that, I mean, Elf is not small potatoes. They're not an indie brand. That stuff usually takes forever to get approved. And that's what holds so many legacy brands back because they aren't nimble enough to hit the trends when they're actually popular. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, they're not also innovating and setting a trend. So they're kind of stuck in this weird limbo of we made a product that nobody cares about anymore. It's past its prime and also yeah. we weren't thinking ahead to see like what people might actually want in the future and like kind of telling them i think elf does a good job of of both the trend and giving people what they don't know they want and right. the super bowl commercial i think was kind of like the cherry on top of all of their hard work coming together totally i agree with you that's a really really good one and it's crazy too because it's like Elf has been around for so long now. Yep. But they continue to stay relevant, reinvent themselves, stay on trend, come up with really, really fun marketing and products, like you said, Kirby. So kudos to you all. Honestly, Elf packaging and stuff is not necessarily something that I gravitate towards. I don't think it looks necessarily that pretty or unique by any means. I think they could get a facelift in terms of the packaging and design of it all. But the feat is that they were able to not let that hold them back from being successful. Right. Do you remember when they like just had launched and you could get a dollar makeup brush or like $2 makeup brush or whatever? I no. You don't? No. Oh my God. I used to, I used to buy them all the time because I wasn't working in beauty yet. And it was just like, it was just a really 
good, affordable beauty brand. And look at them now. Look at you now. Way to go, Elf. All right. What's your biggest, one of your biggest losers, one of your losers of the year so far? I mean, we've talked about this endlessly, but I think extravagant influencer trips have really been highly criticized this year. (laughs) If you're just tuning into our podcast and you decided this is the first episode you're going to listen to, then you should go back because we've talked about like all of it. I, I, I guess Tarte has maybe been the biggest one that has uh, been under fire, but also has created a lot of chatter and attention for themselves in doing so. So I wouldn't say that they are t- necessarily losers, but I do think it has really made beauty brands think about how they do trips going forward yeah. and what that looks like because Kirby and I have talked about the really extravagant trips we've been on in years past and how, you know, back then pre-COVID, that was like the thing to do. And you would go into, you know, check into your hotel room after taking a private jet and there would be every single foundation color for the new product launch. There would be your name on every single <laughs> item in in the closet. There would be, you know, photos of yourself just plastered on the wall it was just and it was so much fun like I will those memories I'll never forget but I think COVID and the pandemic obviously had a really big impact on everyone's lives but on beauty and how just we think about things and so I think also too just the way that we now have interact with with brands with all the social media and with users being a lot smarter and asking questions and more critical. So I think brands just need to really take a step back, which I've seen a lot of them do. They can still do trips, obviously. And Kirby and I are, have been on, you know, some of this, or actually I haven't been on any this year because I've been having babies, but Had a baby. Um, yeah, a baby. Surprise, I had two. Uh, we're going on, you know, one this upcoming week and it's so different from trips of the past. You know, it's it's more thoughtful. Brands aren't bringing as many editors and influencers. You know, it's not just a big party and Instagrammable moment. Like there's education and experience and culture, I think, in, included in these trips. So I don't know, I, maybe I'm wrong. And like the Tarte trips are going to continue and that's what people want to see on TikTok. But I think that it really has made brands just just stop and think before they host uh, another one. Right. I don't think Tarte expected the press trip or the influencer trip to blow up as big as it did. And I think as well, when it comes to a trip like that, given the the now of it all i think that before maybe they could have done a trip like that where tiktok wasn't a platform that was used widely and it would have been more self-contained and it Mm -hmm. would have been maybe a lot of chatter for the beauty industry and it would have not even made a mark it would have been like oh there's another tart trip there's another beauty trip whatever but i keep referring to tiktok because i do think it has had a huge impact on the beauty industry and i think on TikTok, 
you don't have to be interested in beauty to see what's going on and have an opinion on it. I mean, mm -hmm. people from Barstool Sports right. were commentating on conspiracy theories about how Tarte had that much money, which LOL, like they've been having money. So totally. I think when it comes to these trips now, it'll be interesting to see what they're going to do that's going to be impactful because no doubt that Tarte trip was impactful. It put their name into like the cultural zeitgeist of people that maybe otherwise would not even have heard of that brand. Now they know it is like that brand that went on that crazy trip and they have like a concealer or whatever it is. But like, so yeah. now when I do see trips now, I see them and I see them maybe the way other people in the beauty industry see them like, oh, like I didn't get invited on the trip or what is this trip for? Or how many people are there? Or, mm -hmm. oh, is this just an editor trip? Or is this like an influencer trip? Is this a promo or launch trip? I don't know if it's as impactful as A, they used to be when- TikTok wasn't a thing. Uh-huh. And B, if they can be as impactful as that Tarte trip earlier this year. I mean, like right. this is not beauty related, but the Shein trip that just I was gonna bring that up <laughs> is literally worst case scenario for you. And by the way, I don't think that uh you should be inviting influencers to be public mouthpieces for labor laws for you, especially, you know, one of the things that I said, if y'all don't know what I'm talking about, I'm not going to get into it. You can go watch my um, video that I did about it. But one of the points I wanted to make, which I don't think was very clear is I'm not saying that those influencers that went on that trip didn't know that Shein has been problematic from the jump. They did, but that's why they were taken on that trip to quote unquote, uncover the truth and quote unquote, think for themselves. But they did not, they don't know jack shit about regulatory issues, right? how a garment is even made. So they don't even have the ammunition no. to ask the right questions of the people in charge. And that's why I felt like they were taken for a total ride. And I would, if I were an influencer that's working with Shein, I would figure out how to get out of that contract and also fire whatever manager agreed to that trip because that person's dumb. That person does not know. Like there's no, and no universe... Our manager would never let us go on that trip. No. She would be like, are you fucking kidding me? Absolutely not. Also, I'm not saying we're perfect and obviously, but we wouldn't have gone on that trip. We've I would never have gone on that trip. We've been invited several times by the brand to really, really fun opportunities. But like morally, we've turned it down because it's just the right thing to do in our opinion. We have um, people that we we have friends that work at She Glam, the beauty uh, subset of Shein, people that we love, but just do not support Shein, yeah. period. So we we don't engage. Yeah. But I say all that because I think that that trip, along with the Tarte trip, along with the other Tarte drama that we've yeah. covered, those trips were big enough that controversy surrounded them. And now people are going to start associating these trips with drama and controversy, and they're going to mm -hmm. start sniffing it out. So the the duty now of the influencer marketing team and coordination team at these brands is to figure out effective ways to get people to talk about these trips so that they're meaningful and they hit the KPIs that they need to hit without them being legitimately problematic. <laughs> totally. I'm sure that there was maybe a consideration in among the Shein like PR marketing group where they were like, maybe we should invite journalists to come. And then they didn't, but they should have, like if they really wanted 
I mean, obviously there's so much, there's, it's terrible over they there. They never right? would have interviewed, they never, Sarah, they never would have included an, a journalist because they know yes. that a journalist would be like, this is not a real showroom floor. This but is not I'm, a real place that they right. are actually making this shit. But it's like, if they're really trying to do what they're trying to do, then they need to like have yes. real journalists and writers. So all that to say, I think brands should now, and maybe they are paying more attention to the editors and writers and journalists and inviting them on trips, just like they had been doing 10 years ago, 15 years ago, before the influencer, when it was like a true press trip. Um, You're not talking about it, Shein though, right? You're talking about just brands in general. Yes. Brands in general. Okay, brands in okay, general. Okay. Like, I was going to say like, no, 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 no. Coming in like a full circle where brands are maybe hopefully realizing the value of journalists and like a well-reported piece, you know, yes. storytelling versus having 20 influencers come and take pictures. And legitimate reporting. like Legitimate Taylor, reporting. Taylor Lorenz has a great video about this, about why it was so problematic that they brought these influencers on this trip to literally basically say, oh, no, no, no labor laws being broken here. We got it. Like what? The whole thing was a mess, but Taylor Lorenz really has a great insight as to why this is a problem because people do get their news from content creators and influencers. They are not going to websites. They are only reading headlines at this point if they are doing that. So we've got to figure this out. We do. But we also, I'm very curious to see how brands are going to have effective trips like this in the future like an, an effective meaning like it, kpis that yeah. need to be hit were hit like our brands i'm sorry our trips even worth it at this right. point should right. they just send out products to a hundred tiktokers and see how that goes i don't know but this does have a nice segue to your loser oh yes my loser i was like wait where are we going again my loser my first loser is influencer marketing. I do not think that we will see the traditional types of brand sponsorship come 2024 that we're used to, where it's someone doing a full face of makeup and it's all key soul care or all whoever it is. You know what I mean? Like all Mac, all whatever. We are going to start seeing more of the Alex Earl strategy where it's a person talking about something that they're interested in and they it's it's product placement versus integration. Gen Z, there was a new report that they do not want to be duped into buying something. They want to know right out the gate that they're being sold something like a true commercial. And I think we're seeing that with brands like Tarte, actually, that hired Alex Earl to be the face of like a brand launch. Kensington was hired by Kosas to be the face of their lipstick relaunch. So we're going to start, I think, seeing more of these brand ambassadorships where like they have actual assets like photos and videos of them, signage in stores, things of that nature versus just these like one-off user-generated content videos that makes it seem like they're just naturally doing their makeup. I think people are bored with that. It's overdone and influencer marketing won't go away, but it's going to get back to the original type of sponsorship, quote unquote, which would be product placement. Like when you're watching a television show and you're watching somebody make, this is like a really old school example, 
a cup of Folgers coffee and you're like, fuck, I want a cup of cold Folgers coffee. That's how it's going to be. It's, it's, it's very yeah. much what Alex Earl does. She's dotting her face with something. And they're like, she's not even talking about the makeup, but what the right. hell is that? That's what it's going to get to. So I think the biggest loser is influencer marketing as it stands now. Plus there's been so many dramas with influencers being paid to talk about a product in like the last six months. We don't have to go over the Michaela stuff. Everyone's fully aware of that, but there's been plenty mm -hmm. of other things that have happened that everyone's kind of like, well, do you actually like this product? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the, the eternal question. Like, are you just getting paid to talk about it? Or do you actually like this product and why? Yeah, no, I totally, totally agree. Yeah. Okay. What is your next, next one? Okay. All things beauty related from our adolescence. <laughs> Obviously like nostalgia beauty, that's not anything new. What's old is new. There's this new generation that's discovering things that we used to love, but I feel like it's gone hard. It's gone hard into the things that us millennials have loved. So it's, and grew up with, it's obviously the Barbie, the little mermaid. We've got the emo grunge makeup. We're lining our eye. We're not. No. There are children on TikTok lining their eyes with black eyeliner all around mm -hmm. their, their rim. We're using our frosty metallic eyeshadows that we loved from middle school. We're glossing up our lips like we used to. pH balanced products. Uh, pH balance products, skinny brows, not for me, no. but I've seen them. Yep. People have been shaving and shaping their eyes into the skinny brow look. Good for you, but yikes. French Manny mm -hmm. can't walk down the street without spotting someone with a French classic French Manny. Pamela Anderson. Yeah. Just, I mean, her, herself, and then also everything about her, the hair. The, the skinny brow, the the outfits, just everything. I think it's fun. I like it. I love it. I I like to see how the next generation sort of like reinterprets the trends. I don't like when they think they discovered it <laughs> or I don't like when I'm, I've ma I'm made to feel old. It's like a comforting feeling, right? When, when a picture pops up of a young influencer and she's like, wearing something, an outfit that I used to wear. Maybe it's cargo jeans. And then she's got like her French Manny and her frosted eyeshadow. So I think it's, it's nice and comforting and it's, we need that feel good goodness in the, in the state of this world. We'll see if, if this continues, but yeah, what's old is new. Okay. Your turn. Okay. I'm actually going to switch it up. I was going to say Alex Earl is one of my winners, but uh, she already is like everyone knows this and we already talked about it. She's won. She has won 2023. In my opinion, I think one of the biggest category of winners for this year are OG beauty founders. And that is, I say that meaning that they have resurrected and have started launching new brands and these brands are performing well. They have completely different identities and they seem a lot of fun. Bobby Brown, Jones Road, like ki killer brand, amazing products, products made for 
the generation of people that grew up with Bobby Brown cosmetics, but elevated and cool and doesn't have to rely on her name to sell it. Wendy Zomner launches Callie Ray. I mean, coming up with Urban Decay back in the 90s and then switching to Callie Ray, which is so her, so surfer girl, Orange County, Beach Babe, an incredible mascara. I love their products. I love their eyeliner. I love their their mascara. I think that they have knocked it out of the park. And then recently, Jared Blandino and his husband have launched a new company, Toy Box Brands, and they are launching a new cosmetics line called Polite Society. And this brand, it looks cool. It kind of gives me K-beauty vibes. And I mean, they sold their brand Too Faced for $1.2 billion, billion dollars. So they have money. And and last year they left Too Faced. And one thing that I've like noticed with all of these OG founders that get acquired is that they have thoughts about those acquisitions after the fact. Like they are not pulling punches. They're like, it was a nightmare. You are You have no creative freedom. You're bored to death. And naturally, as creative people, you want to put something in the world that you're proud of. So they leave, they follow whatever contractual obligation they have to not make another brand. And then they launch these new brands. I'm really excited to see where polite society is going to go. I do think that there is something to these visionaries of the past making making products for now and the future, making brands for this time and for a new generation because they have seen it all. They've been through it all. And I think that if you're an innovator, that doesn't just die. Like you continue to innovate, you continue to do really cool things. So those are just three examples, but like I met with um, Rayan Silva, the founder of Beauty Blender uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I was talking to her and I mean, a lot of the stuff that she was creating and pitching a couple of, of years ago that she wanted for her brand are now trends that are popping off on TikTok, but she wasn't able to make those products because people were like, well, what is this? It was like almost like a little too ahead of the curve. So I think, you know, I would love to see, you know, should Rayanne ever leave her, her company if she's going to create something new, you know, what that looks like. But I do think it's a really fun time for these OG founders to put something new in the world. Totally. And for me, they're winners for sure. I, I love that. Uh, also, Tony Co. Tony Co. Yes. Tony Co. Such a visionary and, you know, kimchi beauty and Jason Wu beauty. She's killing it. Uh, the Steela founder. Jeannie yes. Lovell was Neen. Yes. Neen is great too. Exactly. It's, you know, they're, they're the... What's old is new again, mm-hmm. but in a but new they actually like way. know what they're doing, and you know they, they they know how to make a good product. They know how to market. They know how to sell. Yeah. So we welcome it after those NDAs, or what do you call it? The when their contracts are up after they. I know that's what I was blanking on. I was like, it's not an <laughs> what NDA. Is it, what is it called? Whatever it is, but what is it called? I know, I know. And Where they are, sign like, in and they're, they're not allowed to. Non-compete. Thank non-compete. You. non-compete. Non-compete. I was like, I, I knew we had it. At the when the non-competes are over, 
they have come to play. I want to do a panel with all of those aforementioned founders and be like, and, tell us the realty. Yeah. And I want them to be like, okay, how, like, give me the non compete yeah. drums. Yeah. Like, I need to hear it all. Yeah. Okay. So, Sarah, we're now going to go in. We should have ended on a high note of, of I know. winner versus loser, but whatever. I'll make it quick. I, yes, but also, oh, should we just end be- it? We, this can be both of ours okay. because I I had this as well. This was oh, good. one of mine. Yes. Okay. So our collective last loser, which is, it is like a, it's, it'll end on a high note because it is kind of, this is why they're losers. The, those lying, fear-mongering brands and influencers and people out there who are trying to scare you into thinking that the ingredients in your beauty products are toxic and they're going to kill you and your babies. And they're based on zero facts and zero science and zero research. Those are the losers because everyone, not everyone, but a lot more people than ever are wisening up and they know that these people are not experts in their field, one, and two are just doing it, you know, for the attention of it all. And so I think the winner, adding one more winner, are the cosmetic chemists, the scientists, the journalists, the people who actually are reporting true facts and statements and science um, into proving that these people are wrong. Yeah, I think that at this point, everyone just needs to be careful because clean beauty is... A, annoying to me, but B, every freaking brand is clean at this point. It's not like a special thing. Like I, I, I would love to know like how many brands now at Sephora are considered clean. Like they, they have to have at least over 50% have that seal. I think that the consumer is more savvy than ever. Y'all are smart. You're listening. You're paying attention. I mean, I, I was watching this video of these two influencers one is like a, a former nurse practitioner. One is in the food industry. And they were going into Sephora telling people all of the products that have like endocrine disrupting ingredients. And those same girls are getting Botox. And I'm like, so a literal toxin being injected into your face and body is fine. But putting this product on your body is bad but essentially what you're saying is that if you're willing to get injected with a literal toxin that the toxin the dosage makes the poison so does that just not apply it only applies to certain areas of your life i'm really just done with a lot of the misinformation and y'all you know this but people will say and do anything for clicks and views it's how money is generated it's how the world works now and if you are hearing something that is scaring the shit out of you or is sounds too good to be true, you need to dig a little deeper, figure out who you're listening to, who those people are, and also like literally dodo ho it, like we tell you. Dodo ho it and ask who, what, where, when, why. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Who are you? When are you getting the hell off of my feed? Why did I spend my time listening to this? How are you able to even say this publicly? That that's what that's exactly. what that's what it should be. The tide is changing, and people are kind of like, 
oh, cool. You're clean, but like, so is every other brand. So like, what makes you so special? Like what, like, why should I actually care about your brand? It's not, a, it's not the crutch that they can lean on anymore. Exactly. What a year so far. What a year. What a year. We would love to know your winners and losers. So please contact the hotline. And again, you do, you do not have to call us. You can send us a text. You can send us an email. Let us know your personal winners and losers of 2023 thus far. We will play some in an upcoming episode. Thank you everyone for listening this week. We will be back on Friday with another great guest interview. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Spotify so you don't miss any breaking beauty news or product reviews. And if you want to support us, be sure to follow us at Gloss Angeles Pod on all platforms and join our Facebook group. Plus, find every product we recommend on our website, glossangelespod.com, as well as links to the stories and news we report each week. You can follow us, your hosts, I'm Sarah Tan, that's S-A-R-A-T-A-N, on all social platforms. And I'm Kirby Johnson, K-I-R-B-I-E, on all social platforms. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.